Welcome to IABC's podcast, The Voice, for marketers, communicators, and creative professionals everywhere. Brought to you by MediaStyle. This episode hosted by Graham McCatchick. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another intelligent edition of The Voice. I'm your host, Graham McCatchick. Hey, in episodes 28 and 29 of our show, um, we delved into apps, and the title of that little mini-series was Absolutely, Absolutely Not. And in those installments, we talked about mobile apps and Facebook apps, and we even drilled down on what, uh, when and what it makes sense to include in your app in terms of the Marcom mix. Uh, so today, we thought we'd focus on marketing your apps through app stores. So joining me today is Matt Palmer, CMO at App Clover, and that's just appclover.com. And Matt's an MIT grad of Smarty Pants, who's uh, helped developers, nation, not just nationwide, worldwide, drive more business through the iTunes App Store and Google Play. Matt, how are you doing? I'm great, Graham. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, so Matt's based out of Boston. And also with us is Rob Woodbridge. Uh, to quote a testimonial on uh, Rob's website, quote, there may not be anyone else in Canada with the understanding that Rob possesses about how mobile is evolving, the way consumers, brand, and marketers behave. Not intimidated at all talking to Rob here. And uh, Rob is, also produces uh, Untether.tv, which is, uh, uh, for me, a lot of people in the mobile space will know, know that show. If you haven't, check it out. Rob, how are you doing? Really good, thanks. Excellent. So let, let's just get into this. Rob, is it fair to say that the point of app marketing is not only to drive app installs, but actually to get people to use the apps and be loyal, productive users? Because I understand only a fraction of people actually do that. Is that fair? It's, uh, it's fair. I, I think that the whole goal should be get to really get people to use the application more than once. It, there's such a huge drop-off of people who download apps and then never, ever, ever launch it a second time. So. You know, the first challenge is getting them in front of your app. The second thing is to get them to download it. The third thing, and I think it's the biggest challenge, is getting them, creating something that's useful enough to get them to use it a second, third, and fourth time. Yeah. What, like, off the top of your head, what is, like, the generally speaking, like, is there a percentage of people, like, oh, absolutely. in general, people use three apps on their phone, or? Well, and it's it's a different three for different reasons, right? It's contextualized. All, I mean, mobile is context. So the app has a, 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 can have a long life, like a Facebook application or a Twitter application or an email application or calendar. Those are things that are ingrained in all of us. And then there's a second tier, which is, about uh, context. So if you're a runner, you might use an app for your while you're running. If you're traveling, you'll use Airbnb and maybe the Air Canada or US Air, whatever app at that moment. So you know we all use probably a, you know fewer than ten apps at any given point in time. But those apps come in and out of our lives uh, quite often, depending on what we're doing. Okay, and what one's coming into your your life like today? Oh, you know what? I, I'm fixated. <laughs> I'm fixated by uh, applications as a service layer. So, um, you know, everybody carries around or wears Fitbits or uh, you know uh, these uh, these wearable computing devices. And I use something called Moves, which is an always-on application that uh, tracks my steps and my location without using one of those things. So, I'm I'm fascinated by these apps that are now at the software service layer that are always on. That's Pretty great. awesome. 
Yeah, uh, Matt, what are some of your uh, apps that you use on a regular basis? Yeah, well, there's just so much information out there. You know, I know your your readers will probably find it tough to keep up with the latest apps and keep up with the latest app information. So uh, something like Flipboard really makes it easier to uh, to read all my uh, magazines and, and websites and whatnot. But uh, it's it's definitely tough out there with uh, over a million apps. Okay, so I think a good sort of starting point here before we get into more of the tactical stuff is this, Rob. I was hoping because this is the nature of your work. Like maybe you can provide some general counsel uh, to listeners about the benefits of including an app to drive business goals, just to sort of keep it at the 30,000 foot level to start. Sure. Uh, I, I mean, I think that there's a time and a place for everything in the mobile space. And I just mentioned it in its context. Uh, but businesses, there isn't a business on the planet, literally on the planet, that can that will not benefit from moving their business into the mobile space. And uh, whether that's an app or a mobile website or some kind of mobile something, the, the app space is really about deeper engagement for your customer base. So if there is a desire or an ability to create a closer relationship with your customer through a mobile application, then, then there is by all means no reason you should not do that. You know, the, there are pitfalls here. The, the one thing that people have always got to remember when they're building an app is build it with a purpose. So don't just build it like the first generation of companies that went out and built the apps just for the sake of having an app. We saw that. We saw it with the web world. We see it with the app world. The key right now is to build something where there's going to be deeper engagement. It's going to further your business. So don't just build it for the sake of building it. Build it with a cause in mind. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one of the core take-home points from the, the app. Absolutely, absolutely not shows that we did a while back. And so I work now at uh, Macadamian, and, and we're essentially a software innovation studio. So of course we, we work and, and build apps. But a lot of times our customers ask us, you know, how it's great to build this is amazing, but well, how do I market this thing now that we now that we've got it? And of course that has to be you got to be thinking about that before you even build it. Uh, so which led us to, sort of to today's topic. And so we thought that a good place to start would be sort of thinking about at least one approach to how we how we market and that would be focusing on the app stores. So Matt, what do marketers need to know in general about Apple's App Store and Google Play? I think that's a good way good place to start because they're two big ones. It, it is, it is. And I think Rob does a, a good job of bringing up some of the challenges out there. There are uh, so many apps, the app stores, all the app stores are very crowded. Uh, people talk about discoverability, just if I put an app in the app store, will it even be found? That is very tough. So my 30,000 foot recommendation for people would be to have a marketing plan before you go in. Uh, we talk about thinking about what your app is going to do, what the benefit is for your user. Think about that even before you, you write that first line of code. And think about how am I going to get this app out there? Because it's certainly no longer true that if you put an app in the App Store that uh, millions of people will automatically find it without having a marketing plan. Yeah, okay, so let's talk about Apple's App Store and Google Play specifically. Like, Let's talk about like sort of optimizing ranking and, and, and just the general tactical things that people would want to know and as a, uh, like any marketer should know when, when marketing there. Absolutely. It, it works differently than many people might think. You know, some people uh, listening here might come from a web background or an offline background where you're really just looking at the total number of widgets that I've sold th this, this month or this year. But especially in the Apple App Store, it's more about momentum. 
Um, many people, when they're looking for a great new app to try, they're going to look at those top 10 lists, the top free apps, the top paid apps, you know, kind of like uh, the, the, the latest uh, movies at, at your movie theater. You're only going to see the number one, two, or three most popular. You're not going to delve into those indie releases that are at the back of your, your local video store or whatnot. You know, people want to, to use the most popular apps. So to get to those top lists, you're going to need momentum and you're going to need exposure. And, uh, and that's where it takes a, a combination of optimizing your app and, uh, and, and some paid advertising as well. Uh, you, you, just, you mentioned tactics. I want to get a little, little more specific here in the time that we have. Um, take a look at your profile, whether it's in the Apple App Store or on Google Play, and know what uh, is being searched for. If someone does a search in the App Store, for the, uh, for the Apple App Store in particular, um, there are keywords that you should be experimenting with. You should be trying different keywords to make sure your app is very visible. Uh, there's that little icon that people look at. Um, I, I would try different colors. I would try different visual metaphors. I would try to get something to pop in there because that's really all you have to stand out is that icon as well as your app name and your keywords. And finally, uh, your app description is really the only thing because you can't show videos and you only have a couple of pictures and a, a short description in the App Store. Um, write that like you would a, a sales letter. Write that as if you're talking to a friend and trying to get them to uh, convince them to buy your app. Make that short and punchy and powerful. Okay, and let's talk about the icon for a second. I think this is kind of intriguing. Now, things are getting shorter, right, and smaller, it seems, right, in this day and age with people's thumbs needing to navigate, <laughs> right? Um, what are some of the icons that really stand out for you? Can we just... Uh, Think about those, like, what are some of the ones that you've seen lately that really did catch your attention? You're absolutely right. You know, screens are getting bigger, but uh, people are putting more stuff on those screens, so the icons are getting even smaller. It's, I like the very simple, colorful, uh, streamlined icons out there. It, it matters uh, more who your competition is. If, uh, if you have a travel app and all your competitors are red and yellow and orange, you know, be blue, be green. Uh, be very clear, both in your home country and in foreign countries, the, uh, if you're using some sort of uh, metaphor, if you're using a plane um, you know, or a hotel or something, make sure you're not using words because those won't translate into other languages. And instead, focus on the, the visual imagery. Is someone going to understand uh, what my app is just from my little uh, square icon. Okay, so Rob's looking at his phone right now. I He's am. looking at the, I'm the interface. He's looking at the UI. Yeah. What what do you see that stands out on your phone right now? Well, it's exactly as Matt was saying. No no names, no words on it. Uh, keep it as, as simple as you can. And, and the ones that, that people will recognize are the ones, obviously, that are branded that way. Like Facebook app is yeah. very simple to see. But it, it's also TweetBot, which is a unique uh, interface. And, and certainly Instagram uh, really, part of part of its uh, you know its its success is because it captured what what you know the Polaroid camera was, mm -hmm. and and then I mean even there's a there's a, um, a, a a to do app called Clear, and it's it's very clear. It's a bright orange with a check mark on it that that you understand what it does right off the bat. And then there's some some other ones which are which are unique enough like uh, Waze, which is a uh, which is a group sourced um, GPS or navigation uh, application, which has 
their little icon which of a car and it's a little bubbly thing that uh, that is on the front of it and and so those are the ones that stand out they're very very unique okay all right so you you gotta obviously engage a, a designer who understands this and who's used to designing such small graphics that's that pop essentially Matt what other app stores and opportunities are out there that marketers may want to consider there are a lot of opportunities that you might not think of. You know, many people are just focused on the Apple App Store. That's, of course, a great place to start. Um, but first, I would think globally as well. I mean, can you take that app? The Apple App Store is available in over 150 different countries and 40 different languages around the world. Just by putting your app in there, you're already exposing yourself to millions of, of consumers around the globe. But you really can't stop there. You know, as a next step, I'd recommend uh, looking to translation, either translate your app or at a minimum translate your name, your keywords, and your description. Because, uh, you know, certainly not everyone speaks your language. Not everyone will understand your app. Um, they would appreciate uh, having your app be translated. Um, and, and take a look at those top countries and those top languages. And then also, as, as a step two, look to other smaller app stores. Um, you know, there are 800, 900,000 apps in the Apple App Store today, but you could be a big fish in a smaller pond if you went over to somewhere like the Amazon Marketplace, you know, even BlackBerry, even, even selling your app uh, for the Blackberries. Certainly, there's a smaller audience, but there's so many fewer apps that uh, if you have a, a good idea, BlackBerry users uh, could be clamoring that. We got to really backtrack to almost the first kind of commentary that, that Rob had because when you're planning your app, think you can't just be thinking, you know, iOS app. You got to be thinking, okay, which, where, what kind of app am I developing for what kind of audience and on which platforms do I need to be? It's a fragmented mobile market, right? So we've got, we've got like uh, Rob's saying, BlackBerry 10 now out. We've got Windows Phone 8. Uh, that's hot. We got all the tablet counterparts to these things. Uh, so what are the what are the considerations there? I mean, the, the, then you're thinking App Store for all these variations, right? Oh, I think it comes down to the essence of what the app is supposed to do. So, so um, you know, at one point there was we were a, a one ecosystem world, right? iOS owned it, and and now Android has obviously taken uh, taken that from them. There, there are more installations of Android. There are more devices running Android than iOS, and that's a given. Uh, the challenge that they're going to have is the fragmentation of the market, right? With when when the uh, when you've got Samsung's version of of Android as well as as Google's version and as everybody else's, so and different screen sizes, the, the challenges are are there. Um, but to make a decision to build in one versus another versus another, you, you're right. You have to know who your customer is, and yeah. you'd have to know what devices they use. And and the challenge people make decisions on on either using a service or using an app um, or deploying an app based on, quite simply, whether or not it's available on all platforms. It doesn't matter if their entire office runs on iOS or an Android or a BlackBerry. If it doesn't run on, on all three of them, it might be a decision that they decide not to buy as a result of that. Just because there's a corner case of a guy over there who has a Windows phone, right? Yeah, no, that's a really good to bring your own device uh, trend and all that. Yes. You can t play into that. It's costly. Okay, so just other things to consider here. It's, this is, we, we zeroed right down on the tactic of the App Store and how to get exposure there. But if you really reel it back out, I mean, you got to be thinking before you even get there, there's just so many options in terms of what platform you should be developing your app on anyways to begin with, which will land you in the right stores or you know, help you guide your store choices. Well, I, I like what Matt said is, is around uh, thinking about uh, outside of North America and outside of the traditional places that you would typically launch an app. And, 
And if, if, you're, if you're a general use app, so you're not a company that's built an app and, and uh, extending your service, but if you're looking for a general use app, that, you, you, could, you could launch in Korea, you could launch in China, localized, because it's a smaller market, a smaller comp, it's not as competitive as, as, uh, as North America, and there's opportunities to generate a, a substantial amount of, of revenue. And even companies, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, moves. Uh, a lot of these companies are European-based, and they launched in small countries to test it. And a lot of companies in Canada, there's a there's a great calendaring app um, called Tempo that launched in Canada a year ago as a beta, right? So they came up to Canada to test it, to, to test the usability, the interaction, the amount of uh, uptake they would have, and then they launched it in the U.S. and they use Canada as a beta test. So yeah. there's, there's there's there are companies that are using different countries for different purposes oh, in their launch. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. And I think we've entered such an interesting, uh, fascinating time in, in, in the mobile world in that you have people, you know, as Rob is saying, who are launching different countries and different platforms. And it, it used to be that a, an app developer would, would have the next great app idea. But now you have developers who have ideas for a whole suite of apps, you know, that complement each other, that, that market their business, that work together, um, and that, that go globally. It's, just, it's such a fascinating time out. This is going to fall just a little outside the context of our conversation, but I cannot, in my research for this, I just cannot not ask you this question because I think it's something people need to know. Can you give a little insight on what's real-time bidding exchanges and, and, you know, how does it work? You know, people are always looking for the best ways to get exposure at, at sort of the, the, the lowest prices. And it's the ad networks, you know, if you're just going to advertise on one ad network, if you're just going to go to an iAd or a mob clicks or, or something, you're sort of limiting yourself to to one venue, to one set of apps, to one ad ad network. Uh, what the exciting developments are that uh, they allow you to advertise across many different networks, and, and you mentioned so this real time bidding exchanges as well. You know, maybe can maybe Rob can explain a little bit more. But just in the terms of advertising, you know, app developers really have to stay on top of, uh, of all the new uh, developments. It's funny. I just got off of a call or a, a, an Untethered TV episode with um, a, a two-time mobile entrepreneur. His name is Edward Marks, and he launched a company called Inedible Software. And this is a company that that created a the very first simple shotgun app for the for the iPhone. It sounds silly, right? But it, you you hold an iPhone and you you cock the iPhone and you shoot with with it. I like guess. And, and it sounds silly, and the jokes were in the early days that, listen, I mean, iPhones, the only thing that they had in the App Store was, uh, was fart apps and, and the rifle app. And this is the guy that made the rifle app. They had over 10 million downloads of that application, monetized it up to, uh, you know, everywhere, every which way. And one of those was through this, this simple ad exchange where, quite literally, they were on top of it every day. This is a full-time job. It's not to be taken lightheartedly. It's like your Google AdWords where you have to manage and monitor these so that you can get the best dollar in for the amount of people that are viewing that application. It is a challenge, and it is not something that I would, I would take very lightly. He said that they, they generated uh, so much money. Like, they had one Christmas bonus. They did generate around $20,000 uh, on Christmas Day when, from their app and the advertising dollars that they generated from that, that it, that it can be very lucrative, but they understood. They said that their business transferred from developing applications and deploying applications to managing the ads that were in the applications. And then what ends up happening when you get that scale, when you have an app that is downloaded 10 million or 15 or 20 or some of these 400 million times, is that they become their own ad networks, right? So that they actually, he said that that one shotgun app that was downloaded 10 million applications or 10 million times allowed him to create a network of his own apps. So if he, every app that they launched from that point forward, he would put in there as a, an ad, 
So he would strip out the ad networks. He would put in there as an ad, and it would reach top 25 in North America, right? So the, the, you, you start to have that clout, but the very first thing he said was, he generated a lot of money, but it took an insane amount of, uh, of management to be able to do that, just like AdWords. Like, if you don't know what you're doing, find somebody to help you. There's one thing that um, app discovery is a challenge, right? Like, it's a, it's a huge challenge. And, uh, and I think that what's important with app discovery to know is that the difference, the way that people use these app stores versus the way that they use a search engine. Okay. Right? And, and I think that the biggest challenge that people have is that they think that you will search on an app store and you don't. And human behavior is completely different on an app store versus, uh, versus a, a, a Google search. Google search, you're going there with an intent. I'm typing something in. I want to give me all the results. When you get to the app store, oftentimes you don't know what you're typing in, like to-do list. So you end up following, the, you browse in the app store and you browse, as, as Matt said, you browse those lists, the top 20 lists, the top grossing lists, the top categories. You do not search. A very, very, very small percentage of people actually go into the app store and search for specific things. So it's, it's a different, it's a different um, approach. And quite often, you end up, uh, if you're relying on search as a mechanism for discovery, you'll, you'll fail quite quickly. So you have to take that into consideration is that the different, different type of, uh, of engagement happens on the App Store than versus traditional search. Okay, so with that, we hope we've provided you with a good base of information to uh, consider. If you're thinking about developing an app, what I would uh, suggest is that you go back and listen to episode 28 and 29 uh, in this series uh, called Absolutely, Absolutely Not. It'll give you some good base information to help you make your decision. And then once you've done that, come back, re-listen to, re -listen to this podcast and start thinking about your marketing in advance before you actually start building it. And that's going to hopefully give you a lot more traction as you um, build your app and consider all the ways you have to market it before you actually put it out to market. Uh, Rob, how can our listeners connect with you? The easiest way to do it is through untether.tv or at Rob Woodbridge on Twitter. You can reach out anytime. And Matt? Uh, there's a lot of free app information at appclover.com, and that's the best way to find me. Thank you very much to Rob and Matt. Everyone, have a great week. You've been listening to the podcast of the International Association of Business Communicators, produced in Ottawa at MediaStyle. For more information, visit ottawa.iabc.com.